looking at the number one California, here we come Right back where we started from Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton Driving down the 101 California, here we come Right back where we started from California Welcome to the OCD Bitch The show where we take an in-depth episode by episode look at the prime Soap opera at the seminal and underrated early aughts the OC, I'm your host for the evening, Mike, and with me, as always, is Ryan. Did you, uh, did you like, translate that intro into some other language and then back into English? <laughs> yeah, I, I did Google Translate Translate. It was really good. It was really smooth. It was the uh, uh, the host version of, like, uh, putting your arm around a girl at a movie theater. <laughs> and just kind of elbowing her in the head on your way there. <laughs> I just think normally we talk about the show... The OC and how that is seminal and underrated. And I say, no. You know what's seminal and underrated? The early aughts. Seminal decade, underrated decade. It's so crazy because typically we talk about the show and how we get down with it. And we're doing the show down part two. Is that crazy? I guess not. Um, <laughs> you ever been in one of those like old school, uh, old style Western duels? Mm-hmm. You have? Yeah. And I'm going to assume that the other guy's dead? I'm here, aren't I? Do you go for the kill or the hand? The shooting hand? Well, I always try to go for the hand, but I'm not a great shot, so I aim for that trigger finger and just hit center mass every time. Plus, I generally duel men of honor, and they always look me in the eye and then put the gun straight into the sky and shoot up, and I do not do that. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite things of all time. First of all, I'm sure it is completely historically accurate. Everyone was doing this. Dueling? But it's dueling, yeah, in the streets of western towns. Uh, it's the most manly thing you can do because one, hold up, we got into a little tiny argument. Let's go to the street and see which one of us can shoot the other one. But also the whole key to being good is not just to survive, but to not draw until you see them draw. That's the you pure have to wait man till, part of it, right? Th- yeah, that's how. That's why men are awesome. Like give you shit because does it's everybody wants to be Greedo if he survived? Can you imagine if you won, but also you went for your gun first, and then you go back into the saloon to get the accolades from your homies, and they won't even look you in the eye? Uh, Drink the fucking trough water. You do not get our swill. You fucking horse-livered lily spittoon. You get out of here. Oh, those. Do you know how many duels you would have to fight if you called somebody that? Somebody just overheard that insult they're dueling now. I typically, because I uh, abhor violence but love shooting, um... (laughs) I go right for a bullet mm-hmm. into the tip of their gun, and then it sort of explodes, and yeah. the metal frays out a little bit. And they just hurt their hand a little. Go, ow, ow, yeah, ow. they go like, ooh, hot, hot, hot. But that's it. Then duel's over. See, I abhor shooting, but I love violence. So as they're drawing, I fastball special myself off of a horse with two daggers and just go, stabby, step, 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 step. Yeah, or you get one of those uh, epis. Pens? Nope. The... <laughs> uh, I know that the sword used in like fencing is called epi because I've done one crossword one time. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that you you are twenty feet away from your person, so when you draw that sword, they just shoot you as many times as they can. But then I try to wave it around with a sword. Uh huh. And I mean, that's a sword that is like almost a saw, right? As far as yeah. like bendable metal that just makes oh. the noise of thunder when you use it. When when I'm waving the epi around. And the bullets are flying. It definitely sounds like someone playing like in a hick band. Like a washboard sometimes just starts playing along with it. And you know what? If their weapon was a washboard, you could probably be okay. But theirs is a pistol, and you're fucked. Well, that's normally what the duel is about. 
we all say, who's going to play washboard? And everybody calls it. And then we have to duel. For me, everyone I've been, it's who can watch Steven Spielberg's uh, TV movie directorial debut, Duel the Fastest. And it's a tie every time. It's always 82 minutes each. Because nobody draws first? You both hit well, play at the same time? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be a jerk. We have yeah. to be gentlemanly about this. enjoy but, the film together. But the way that we sit on that chair makes us think that we're watching it way faster. Oh, so much faster. Oh, look at him nod his knuckles. He is watching the shit faster this movie. He's a goddamn knuckle gnawer. Stop with the Western insults. We're going to have to duel. Ryan, this is, as you said, the showdown part due. Can you tell everybody what we talked about in the showdown part un? Yeah, we were, uh, everybody was in the saloon fixing to get in a, in a mint, which is an argument. Um, and now we're all walking to the thing. The showdown, Mike, and we may have mentioned this before, it seems like it's between Zach and Seth. But that is 100% absolutely the most boring yeah. duel that we have going on in the entire show. Where you them to shoot each other. <laughs> yes. Um, and I wish they did. We're going to talk about how their fight turns out. Uh, guns would have been nice. Oh, guns will always be nice. Uh, are we allowed to say that still, currently? Yeah, Everybody's no. Everybody's self-isolated. That's not an issue right now. Um, Let's not tell these high school kids to bring guns to fight each other. No. But, al- but also, Seth and Kirsten are... They're, they're sizing up for a marriage size level duel. Sandy uh, Houston. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Seth? Seth, yeah. Yeah. That would be a gross marital fight. Uh, uh, K- Caleb and, um, and Julie are uh, already at that divorce and duel. And then, of course, we have Marissa and Ryan, and they're not dueling. No. But I wonder if something happened where guns eventually come into play. I do think that the biggest duel is brewing. Uh, and so far, it's just Ryan going, people are acting weird. Did I piss everybody off? But uh, he doesn't realize everybody's preparing him for the showdown of his life. Yes, absolutely. God damn it. We have to do two more episodes before we get there, Mike. Is that true? Yes. Shit. Okay, well, then let's hurry it up. Let's get through this show as fast as somebody trying to watch Duel faster. <laughs> hey, everybody, everybody sitting in their recliner listening to this episode and nothing else, because that's how you should listen to our podcast. Please lean forward and listen to this as fast as possible. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Sandy coming home with flowers for Kirsten, but she is passed the fuck out on the couch. Ryan, as previously mentioned, uh, Sandy comes home, brings flowers. He is shouting through the mansion they live in that he made reservations at that fancy steak joint, the one with the heavy silverware. Uh, I guess when he says the fancy one, they normally go to Outback. This is a yeah, family, probably Outback. Don't they only, like, their cheapest steak joint would bankrupt us, right? Absolutely, yes. So I don't want to think about it. Is it a Ruth's Chris's Steaks Houses? Oh, no. That, I think that's, pro- that's probably their Outback. That's poor fancy? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about heavy silverware. We're talking about, like, each, like, utensil takes two arms and hands to use. And then, so if you if you use both arms and hands for the fork... It's feet and legs for the knife, and that is hard to cut. But you're rich, and you, you have to do it. Yeah, and you are you do that yoga at home, and you're svelte. Or, because uh, that sounds like hell, having to cut it with your feet and hands, the heaven is cutting each other's meat together. Here's the fucking thing, bro, if I can real quick. Outback, over wherever they're going with this giant utensils, this place that they're going, probably better meat, right? It's probably like Why Kobe beef, cobes? aged 80 years, uh, probably better service, right? Oh. People who are making like six figures at servers. But how's their fucking blooming onion? Huh? Oh. Does that compare to the Outbacks? It's probably, it's like discombobulated and just like the hint 
of a sauce and foamed batter. It's bullshit. Just foamed something, yeah. There's there's oh, blooming onion. onion. Blooming onion infused martinis is probably like the nicest thing that they have there. And that's gross. That is I don't gross. Want that. I've had that and it's not good. Don't with with Bloomin' Onion sauce as uh, shooters yeah. next to it. Well, you got to wash the Bloomin' Onion martini mouth out. Uh, so he's all very excited, and he's like, oh, she's asleep. Oh, there's this empty glass, like, knocked over next to her. And he smells it, which is creepy, but he's been suspicious for a while. Uh, she barely wakes up, so he, like, Kevin Costner's her to her bedroom. <laughs> From Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yeah. right? Puts her on an arrow and shoots her with a bow directly into her bed. And it looks like she's going to go off course and he shoots another arrow and boom, gets her there. Is the, Real quick, uh, is there anything more baller than being about to shoot a arrow up into a tower uh, where the bad guys are, seeing a little fire next to you, and then putting the arrowhead into the fire and then shooting a fireball in there? Even when that will certainly make you not hit where you're aiming for, it's super baller. Because he pissed Kevin himself. Co- Kevin Costner's uh, English accent may have been all over the place, mm-hmm. but his fire arrowhead game was not. That shit was on point the entire I time. I was assumed because like Robin Loxley went off to fight the Crusades and then he came back that it was like his hick southern cousin trying to pretend to be him. That there was like a, a masquerade going on underneath that story. That, that Robin Loxley did die and this guy was like, I'll pretend to be British. <laughs> And just forget sometimes. <laughs> like the captain of the Avenue Five. Um, girls our age have tried to take... Hollywood has tried to take Robin Hood's title back and give it to like Russell Crowe or um, Taron Edgerton. Um, girls our, our age have tried to take it back and give it to the Disney Fox uh-huh. because they say that's one of the hottest people that has ever been in movies. Do we? Is it still Kevin Costner for you, or have the girls won here? For are we saying for the definitive Robin Hood, or for the your Robin Hood? your my, definitive Robin Hood? Oh man, that we've talked a, a, all our shows about like the origins of my fantasy nerddom, and I think that might I, that was like a Sunday afternoon viewing appointment. We didn't go to church; the whole family would just put on <laughs> Prince of Thieves, uh, and it was like there were so many reasons I shouldn't have watched it that young because like it starts off in a torture place like it's so violent I just told all the kids at preschool that I'd dig their hearts out with a spoon because it would hurt more but more than anything that made me think that was a five out of five star movie like that's oh for me, sure it ruined me for life yeah there's there's so many movies from like that time when you're a kid where like all right I now know what a great movie is and for me Prince of Thieves was definitely one of them <laughs> and every great movie has Brian Adams in the woods singing a song nobody knows Brian Adams sings but I thought that was his biggest hit. Do you remember that time where uh, they were running on their horses through the hills and then you could see way in the background Brian Adams shooting that video? <laughs> You're in danger, Brian Adams. Brian Adams, get the fuck out of here. Uh, so Sandy, Kevin Cosner's here to the bedroom and then seemingly stayed up all night making breakfast and brings her breakfast to bed and she is furious. Yeah, I mean... She is, she's hungover, which I don't know how you are with a hangover, but I'm not super into things. Um, <laughs> things in general, overrated. Um, Sandy does it upright, and you know that a breakfast in bed is uh, done right, not with the food that's on there, the types of food or the quality food, but one single flower in a tiny little vase, please. That is how all breakfast in bed must be done. And they're fucking, they're at each other's throats within minutes. Well, because he sits it and she's like, what's all this? And he's like, I'm worried about how much you've been drinking. And then her response, she's like, have you been watching me? And he's like, well, I mean, 
we we do live together, which is the proper response here. <laughs> and also, to be fair, uh, we're at like minute twenty four of this episode, and I have smelled two of your glasses. <laughs> they so. are all vodka. Uh, and then he's very smart. I can't tell if he's playing it cool or if he like is his brain is protecting him from the truth. But he's like, is it because Carter left? And she's like, goes into panic mode. She's like, what? And he's like, you know, he left very suddenly. I figured you had to take on his work. Uh, and you're you're just like so stressed. And she just like demands his trust. Yeah, and I mean, if you're somebody like Sandy, if you're somebody with that much wisdom, and is typically pretty. I don't know, altruistic about things, but always has that streak of, you know, everything I do is like 95% great, but 5% a little bit. I'm still a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't asking the question. He was waiting for her reaction to the question. Yeah. And when she says, what? Why? Get out of here. Cartoon Robin Hood's the best. And then uh, runs into the bathroom. I think that pretty much answers all of his questions without him really even have to ask them. That's why he's so sad when he says, I figured you had to take on his load of work. <laughs> yes. Take on his load. You had to put his load on your back. Gross. Uh, and so he's sad. She's just demanding trust. And I do think if anybody doesn't give an explanation but demands trust, even if you weren't suspicious of them before, now be suspicious that they're doing something shady. Right. Flash down to downstairs. Uh, Ryan and Seth are playing, for once, not the ninja video game, but Star Wars. Star Wars, Mike. Masters of the Terrace a game that I owned for the PlayStation 1. Back then, we just called it PlayStation. You didn't know. Uh, you I didn't know. Yeah, I thought that might be the only one. For a while, we called it the great video game system. <laughs> um, and this was a game that I think was much maligned. Like, a lot of people don't like it. Maybe it was the introduction of a female character, and females have no place in uh, other galaxies far, far away. Um, but this game was fucking dope. You know, like, this was at the point where, like, most of... Most people were over the whole Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter sort of style of uh, gameplay. Mm-hmm. And also, we hadn't had a good Star Wars game in a long time. This thing came out, and it's short. It's not the most advanced game. You know, like, play is pretty simple, and it's pretty easy to master of Terrace Kasi. But still, I was a fan, all right? It, so is it like Mortal Kombat with Star Wars, or is it an adventure game? No, it's Mortal Kombat with Star Wars. Oh, that sounds sweet. Um, and the other thing, too, is that it's hard. There's a DC one uh, called... Injustice? Injustice, yeah. yeah. And it's hard in those games. We've never heard of uh, Ryu or Blanca. So maybe they are equal powered. And it's all about strategy. But with the Star Wars game, just like in Injustice, Superman versus Joker really should go one way very quickly. (laughs) And they have to make it equal. (laughs) But one of the moves that we saw was this thing that Luke does where I... I, I want to say he like has to build it up. So he's kind of weak until he builds up his power and then does this like a lightsaber fling across the screen and you're just fucked. You're dead, son. <laughs> Which again, uh, having a laser sword in a world of laser guns, that should always be your only move. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. I'm going to use this like Yondu with his arrow. So uh, they're, they're doing their like catch up while they're playing video games and Ryan pulls out what's going on with Seth and he finds out that Seth is using the comic book club to spy on Zack and Summer. He is keeping tabs on them with even nerdier people from their school. Yeah, I mean, Seth sort of needs acolytes, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think that's such an an important part of not... He loves discussing things with Ryan, but as he said in this episode of the one before, I don't need you... Like, I just need you to stand there and agree with me when I'm done talking. Um, When when Seth has acolytes, that's very dangerous. There's nobody to, like, hold him back and just have, like, minions to do his bidding. Yeah. 
it, this dude looks like uh, Bogey from 10 Things I Hate About You, the guy whose house they ruined. He thought he was going to have a few friends over for goat cheese and crackers, and instead the whole school ruins it. Uh, so that kind of... Classic dude. situation of the entire school waiting outside the door until they're all there and then going in. Uh, so the... The OC's bogey lets Seth know that they're at a diner. So Seth shows up just to gleefully, cacklingly reveal that Zach is still part of the comic book Summer Hates. Not that he's out of it and he's doing anything for her. Seth is no longer trying to make himself look good in Summer's eyes just to ruin Zach. But, I mean, that's sort of the thing of, like, villains and heroes. And we have no heroes here. I mean, it's Summer, but, like, we mostly have villains. And Seth is so good at thinking, like, what gross-ass thing would I do right now? Oh, I would not tell... I would lie to Summer about my uh, my returning to the comic book. And then he just plays on it, and it works. But he guessed right that he, Zach has been brought down to Seth's level and is hiding the comic book from... He's not like, look, he got me in a weird legal trap, and I am 17, so I'm not trying to get out of it yet, but I'm working on it. It works so well that not only does Summer freak out on Zach, but... Summer moves Zach over four feet Mm -hmm. to the window where Seth can watch the entire thing from his booth inside of the diner. She's like, look, I'm mad at you, but I'm still playing both of you. So we have to properly position. Let's do some boxing, some space work. Uh, Before we get, so we're doing the back half of the showdown. The the last thread that's going to propel us through the rest of our episode is uh, Jess approaches Ryan. She's already stolen his pencil and tried to grab his dick at school. And now she's telling him that she's always had a fantasy about two brothers but won't tell yeah. Ryan about how Trey's into Marissa. She's just like hinting at weird things. Uh, yeah, she's looks like maybe I'm not the only one who's into two yes. brothers. And have Ryan like for the eighth time in the last two episodes just stare up in space with an eyebrow, being like, "What the fuck?" I think Jess goes beyond the worst. Like in a show that has Julie fucking Cooper, the JFC, mm-hmm. is Jess like otherworldly, like almost fiction on top of fiction. Like doesn't. Is almost sort of like an alien that was thrown into <laughs> the why, to the hey, show. Humans interacted by watching like <laughs> yes. the, the world. What's the world slowly turns and Beverly Hills. Uh, it's her and Oliver like are head to head for l- just like pure villain, no redeem. But like I think that when you say that, we're thinking of Oliver's reputation and the end. I think Oliver came in and was sort of normal, and then every episode or so in the beginning had like one look. Uh-huh. Jess is just. She's fucking, she's like this Joker-esque Tasmanian script devil that comes in and just spins around and goes la 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 as fast as she can. I wonder, a lot of sequels have this kind of thing where the first one, like, so they did take their time with Oliver, and they're like, well, we want an Oliver type, but we don't want to put that work in again, so let's just start at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason to root for Jess. There's, there's, but I guess the problem, though, is there's no reason to, like, we have no idea what her motivation could be. There's gently... There's gentle brushes of Marissa jealousy. Right. But that's not really even focused on. It seems like she is just an agent of chaos. I think it's really that she tried to kill herself at that party and is mad at anybody involved in saving her life. So now she's out. To, she's like, it's final destination. Final she destination. Ta- yes. <laughs> final destination. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into Summer throwing away all of Zach and Seth's stuff. Ryan. Mike. Summer is at home and taking all evidence of Zach and Seth off of her walls. And just so I can get a little check with you so far, um, we have had some arguments about Zach. Uh, I've said that he has been dirty Mm -hmm. for like two episodes. You still defend him and think that he should be president. Uh, We've made our opinions on Seth clear. Is Summer still in the clear? Is Summer still a fucking perfect superstar? Uh, I mean, she's only dumb in a way so many teenagers are that she's still 
give them a chance this long. And things things will change for no reason. Right. For no reason. They've both given you plenty of evidence that they're dirt balls in different ways, and unfortunately in some of the same ways. Uh, and at this point, someone should just realize they should suck each other's comic book loving dicks and just get over it. Uh, but I think at this point, she's trying to throw it all away. So she is trying to like move on. Um, and uh, Marissa is there with her. And they're talking about, like, what are we going to wear? Because they, they, Ryan and Marissa have this big date night planned, yes? Is that still going on? Yes. Uh, and Well, they're going to they're gonna go to the big comic book event, the yes. comic book reading. I know, I know it's mostly an unveiling of Atomic County, but also there does seem to be some reading involved, which I don't think no. is, should be ever part of a comic book uh, premiere. But that's just going to be the start. After that, finally... Finally, some Marissa and Ryan alone time, which they need and want for different mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, and this is why, like, it's it sucks that since basically the first three episodes of the show at all, that these girls are far apart because they are like the healthiest friendship in the show. They tell each other yes. good advice, they build each other up. Because Marissa's like, I don't know what to wear, I'm so nervous. And someone's just like, You could dress like Grimace and you would stop traffic, but anybody could dress like Dr- Grimace and stop traffic. And I. <laughs> Yes, that's true. Especially because he is always in the middle of the street, making sure that cars can't drive past him. I do love the. Uh, I thought this was a trend recently, um, and then I think uh, peaked on by, or it hit its peak with Booksmart mm-hmm. of just girls not just complimenting, but saying, "My God, you're so yes. fucking gorgeous. You make me want to throw <laughs> up and cut my feet off and throw them in the trash." That's pretty gorgeous. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, Summer straight up uh, reminds Marissa that she is, as I've been saying for a long time, the single most beautiful person that has ever existed. Marissa fucking Cooper. Uh, and then in their, uh, talking to Marissa, Summer realizes, like not realizes, Summer untakes the things off her wallet, which I guess means put the things back on her wallet, that says, oh, it's not that these two guys are dumb, idiot teenage boys and don't know how to get their shit together because uh, I'm a catch, goddammit. It's Reed's fault. Reed has turned yes. them the way they are. And she's, she says, nobody messes with my men but me. So now, no, Summer is not in the clear. And when you say Reed, are you referring to that busty comic book tart? <laughs> yes. Is that what she calls her? <laughs> yes. That is some classic Summer dialogue right there. Is she Have we talked about prototypical Cheryl Blossom? Oh, yeah. No. That makes sense, Occasionally, though. like, and she doesn't slip into it because she's not a fucking cartoon the way Cheryl is. But, yeah, the, she says things that more people should, like, make fun of her for or be confused by. But, yeah, it's interesting that as we move further and further away from episode one, like, pilot summer and the you Pittsburgh summer, uh, the pendulum swung a little too far this way. And now she is, like, occasionally 1890s right. summer. Josh Schwartz started writing more of her lines. <laughs> Probably as Josh Schwartz. Cutting his feet Such off. a crush on her. Yeah, that uh, I want you to talk just like me. But come on. Whore, kind of good. Slut, too easy. Tramp, you're getting there. Tart, perfect. Perfect. It's not too mean. It's just funny and weird. Uh, so Summer's ready to kick Reed's ass. Uh, flash to Julie comes by to talk to Kiki. And we find out that the girls have been getting ready very early in the morning because Kirsten's like, do you want a drink? And Julie, who I believe has drank in a healthy amount, is like, isn't it? a little bit early mm-hmm. and then goes, fuck it. Life is crazy. Give me one. Uh, and says, how much vodka did you put in this? And Kirsten gave a, a Ryan type answer of the normal amount. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I mean, 
week in, week out, we talk about how Kelly Rowan is the uh, secret weapon on this show, right? Not just the character, but the actress. This was some incredible, I'm depressed. You know, I'm going through a lot. But I still can make this one of the funniest things that the OC has ever done. This delivery of like, I don't know, normal amount. And I watched her pour Julie's uh-huh. drink, Mike. This is a normal amount for like me and you uh, in Vegas. Okay, good. R- running for governor <laughs> for a position no one has like that we have not started running for Man, yet. 2011 like, was a crazy summer. This is a this is at least a halfy. Oh man. And so Julie and Julie's there to talk about Cal, yes? She's yes. there to get advice from Kirsten. Like, you've been through romantic issues with your dad when you guys were together. What should I do here? <laughs> yeah. How does he like to be blown, Kirsten? <laughs> All right, that's it. That's no, we, no, we gotta move on. And that's uh, like not much happens. Just like let's these two also a great uh at least interesting, not necessarily build each other up, but one of the like the best friendships on the show is under key low key, Kiki and Juju. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, can I smell your glass, please? <laughs> it's 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 a normal of amount. <laughs> you are talking like a drunk gorilla signs. Like, what the fuck, gorilla hand motions did that thing just make? Amy, Kiki, Juju. Um, but yeah, like you can talk shit on their relationship. How it's a little maybe like uh, like they take advantage of each other, or maybe it's not as tight as say Summer and Marissa. But they definitely have good radar for each other. Mm. You know, they can definitely see when something's off and julie sees it immediately then takes a drink of her glass and then knows for a fact immediately that and i mean julie is a riverside 80s hair metal come noopsy drinker she knows how to put the mimosas down she throw down she throw down she throw down showdown part two in this episode but here for her to say like what the motherfuck i think it's a very big and deal she does say something like this is me saying this I shouldn't talk about my issues right now. What's going on with you? Are you okay? Yes. And for you to get JFC to say that to you, that means that things are a very big you deal. You should have gone, check into rehab right then with that question, check into rehab. Because if you don't, Julie will drag you and lie to everybody and take you to secret San Diego rehab. Kirsten pulls a full Popeye where she rips the can <laughs> off or the top off the vodka, not the spinach, chugs it all at once. Her biceps get big. She pukes all over one foot and then kicks it around with the other foot, just like Popeye would if he drank vodka. Calls Julie Bruno and punches her out the window. (laughs) So then we jump to the evening times. Uh, Summer has gotten to the comic book shop. Show shop. And uh, I'm going to smell my glass, too. That was a little much. Uh, And Reed starts... This is urine. I I didn't think Reed was a pure villain, and I think this is the episode she is because it's when she tries to like legally Zack in... And now she's just like, I think she's a bored 23-year-old whose career isn't doing what she thought it would do because now she's breaking these kids' hearts and lives. She starts to manipulate Summer when she's confronted. And Summer sees it. She's like, you're trying to manipulate me. When she's like, I think Little Miss Vixen is the real star and you should be here and dress up. She's like, you're trying to manipulate me, but I like what you're saying. Yeah, I think this is like this is a big reason why, um, along with Ryan, that Summer is sort of like the perfect protagonist in a show like The O.C. because And like the exact opposite of, let's say, a Jess Sattler. Because um, Ryan and Summer understand that they're on a TV mm-hmm. show. And it's not in like a big, broad Mel Brooks way. But they do. And they use it or don't use it to their advantage. Right. You know? No other character in this show or a show like this would say to Reed, 
I understand what you're doing, but I like what you're doing anyway. They would be like, they would either be totally intoxicated or uh, like hit them in the head with a right. beer bottle. And for Summer to be like, I'm going to I'm gonna meta my way through this is classic Summer, I think. And letting somebody know like, you're not in charge. I'm still in charge, even though we're doing what you want to do. Right. And also like, it's sort of, I don't know. There's a connection here because they're both dealing with the same idiots. two idiots. Reed is not dealing with two different right. idiots than Summer and is. And I, I think there's a lot of, like, both in personality and, like, just looks and the way they can both do the same Rockabilly Pompadour without looking like an asshole. There's a, there's a lot of similarities between these two. Also, if there was anybody else on the planet who would get pissed at Summer and call her, hey, busty comic book tart, it's Reed. Yes. Like, there's a connection here. <laughs> she was actually complaining to her boss about this busty comic book tart who's ruining her graphic novel teens. I wish we had the split screen where they said it from different places at the exact same time and then ran to the window singing somewhere out there, <laughs> staring at the stars. Uh, while this is happening, uh, Marissa and Ryan are like, let's, before we go, support our friends who, even though they're assholes, do have a graphic novel coming out. And this is a big accomplishment. Let's make a hardcore uh, in the pool house. And Marissa goes aggressive at Ryan. This is something that, like, can, we, can you take your fucking joke hat off for a Please. second, bro? I know, like, Put my you, just, you make jokes all the time. And sure, all your jokes are, each one is funnier than the last. But I can't remember the last time that the OC got this serious and also this stylish at the same time. And I don't mean, like, orange couture. I mean that, like, they're doing so much with the camera and the editing. Basically, they lay on the bed, as we've seen uh, Rai Rai and Mar Mar do a million times. But Ryan or Marissa can't Me get and Mar. Trey out of her head. Speed things up, Myanmar. That like puts their names together. Myanmar, yes, <laughs> Myanmar. Um, and we're doing this thing where it's Ryan, it's Trey, it's Ryan, it's yeah. Trey, and this is all so much crazier and more understandable because they're brothers. You know, I bet like they have some of the same smells, the same, same hair, kiss moves, uh, practiced on each other growing up. Not to mention, um, this is a trauma right. that Marissa has not. It's not even like gotten over. A, like even begun to get over. Yeah, there's so many reasons this aggressive, and because Ryan, she's more aggressive than ever, so he's like, oh, match this back. We both want that, like, it's everything. And Ryan's just like, call me Trey, call me Trey. That's that's not a good move. It's like she saw the wave, and instead of trying to, like, dive under it or get out of the ocean, she went as fast as she could right into it. Like, she went harder than she would normally because she wants to get over it and thinks this will help. Uh but she still doesn't want to open up to him. So when she she like and he can see because he keeps stopping and then she kisses him harder and then he's like okay harder like it's like this uh, and then she finally pushes him off and she's like I thought I could do this but too much has happened uh, and she is right too much has happened but he's like what did I do oh no luckily yeah the way that she says that to him it sounds like too much has happened between us over the last two seasons of television but. I think that what we do have throughout this entire episode is Ryan never thinking things are okay, despite how many times he's told things are okay. Right. You know, Ryan definitely has an eyebrow up in a very similar way. I don't know if you've ever noticed connections between Sandy and Ryan that Sandy does with Kirsten. Right. You know, they both are, they both know that they're not being told the whole truth, but that there is something there, and so she bolts. Mm-hmm. But like. Real quick, again, I want to reiterate how, like, I don't think the show has ever done anything like this before. Usually when they deal with stuff, it's a one-on-one conversation and the music swells. Yes. And, and the, the level of dialogue sort of goes down. It becomes more after-school special and sort of like the clever, instead of the clever banter that we're used to. And to do this with editing, I think 
it it, it stood out. It, yeah, it's 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 not just like well done, but it's smart, it's sly, and it it hits the emotional issue more than them doing the after school special ever could have. It really felt they're like, wait, this is For an sure. important topic, and people will take this seriously in fifteen years. So let's really let people know what Marissa's going through right now. Yeah, or hey, uh, twenty five percent of all girls watching this who something like this has happened to. Yeah. Right. Like, isn't that the the ratio? Yeah. Um, we uh, we're not even going to start to like pretend like this is an easy thing to get over and that you should just shut up about mm-hmm. it. You know, this is going to be the focus of all these episodes. And yes, I know it's for drama and ratings and sweeps and it sweeps week and blah blah. But still, this is not something to be yeah, brushed it, over. It's, it was shockingly well done. Um, so let's take a break and put our joke hats back on to co- talk more about Sandy and Kirsten. Ryan. Sandy is seemingly left and come back. Uh, and he's like, what are you drinking? And she's like, water. And he's like, we need to talk. And Kirsten says, then I need more water. So at this point, she's not trying to hide anything. And still hilarious. Look, you know, everybody says that uh, this shouldn't be the case for me, but I believe it is. Sometimes you just got to be drunk to be funny. Yeah. And the, yeah, that's I, Kirsten and my mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. My mom is only funny in airplanes. Um and Sandy is now, he's like, all right, get your vodka. Did something happen between you and Carter? And Kirsten says, don't do it like this. I We're generally on Kirsten's side, but bitch, what does that mean? How is he supposed to do it? Don't just come at me after days of hinting at it. I don't know. I think that it's like, why don't we stall a little bit more? Like, I need more water, I and don't, then I'm ready. Or I don't want it to happen at all, so I'm just going to throw out a random, don't do it like this. Mm-hmm. And then they get into it, and she, he's like, I know it's been since, like, summer, and Seth was gone, and she starts listing off all the things, and then she says Sandy left her when his ex, Rachel, no, Rebecca was in town. He says, you left me. Did he leave her? Is it when the, that motel, like, when he was trying to get Rachel across, Rebecca across the border? I What I think is going on here, and I've been married for, like, two years, bro, so if you have any questions about how marriage works, let me know. I'll explain it all to you. Um, that the shit that went down with Sandy and Rebecca was traumatizing, and For we've sure. used we've used that word a lot in this episode. And I don't mean anything like what happened to Marissa, mm-hmm. but it's I mean trauma and the kind of thing that like it's not an apology that's going to solve all of this, you know. And I think that Sandy thought it would when Kirsten says it's fine, we're done, let's move on. There's so many times that that doesn't mean shit. That that's just right. not true. Especially because like he apologized, they they kissed heartily because he almost died in that car crash, and then he just went back to surfing and quipping and lawyering and not. They should have probably gone to that steak place with heavy utensils biweekly, uh, or a couples counselor. They have or had therapy. A rough year. It, maybe it was therapy. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, for Sandy to think that like there's almost a look of shock or disdain or right. incredulousness when she says like you left you left me and uh, all of the rebecca stuff and I, there's probably a time where i watched this where i was thinking you're using that as an excuse mm-hmm. a- and watching this now as a uh married gentleman of two years i could say like oh yeah that was just a a wound that never even remotely closed i think part of it and and youth is i'm sure sure there and in, and in, inherent misogyny but you've grown out of, but I, I think it's that the way they've handled the Marissa Trey stuff so surprisingly gently and nuanced. 
uh, and thoughtful, they handled the Rebecca stuff very soapy, so no emotions hit. So now that we're seeing Kirsten's emotions, it's like, what? And well, then the other- when you think about it, like, but it does, like, it asks a lot for the, the, the average OC audience member to, like, think about how much this would actually hit, especially if you're in high school or just out of high school watching this when it's on. The other difference, too, and this could be because of, you know, who the characters are and who Rebecca and Carter are, or just because of how stocked with penis the writer's room was. But, like, they were very careful to make sure that with the Sandy and Rebecca thing, it was always Sandy, I just have to do my duty. Mm-hmm. It's duty first and PP second. It's Or duty first, and then maybe I have a crush, but I'll never tell. Mm-hmm. And because Kirsten seemed a little flipped, that Kirsten's definitely in the wrong. But now with this with this conversation, I think it's easy to assume that this Carter thing would not have been a big deal if right. they weren't on uh, like a shaky ground when she met Carter. Right, and they'd been on a shaky ground for nigh a year. <laughs> like they haven't been normal since like the first half of season one. I love when you when, talk about the OC like you're a uh, old sailor telling stories about <laughs> the old days. Gather around, ye youngins, and I'll tell you the tale of Seth Cohen and his picture books. Did that happen on a ship? It was on a ship. Okay, good. Yeah, go ahead. Tell it. I, uh, so, jumping to Seth Cohen and his picture books, do you think they purposely put this super goofy, dumb storyline when we're dealing with uh, attempted rape, marriages crumbling, at, two marriages crumbling, uh, were they also like, let's have people fight over comic books? It's a really, really good question, bro. And I know that we always err on the side of the OC is perfect and we just don't understand it yet. So we should watch the episode again to understand it better. But my God, is there a even more Looney Tunes clown shit thrown into this episode than your average episode? And at first I was like, this is jarring. I think they fucked up. But now I'm like, no, I think maybe the actors turned on Looney Tunes a little too hard. But I think... Again, if your viewers are teens, we need this. We need this break from all this super heavy emotional shit. I guess. But it did it, it was just very hard to care. In a storyline that like on the surface, the the writing has dictated, not even like the uh the topic. The obviously the topic is stupider than mm-hmm. the other topics in the show, but the writing seems to care less too. There's no way for me to be like, oh good. We've cut back to Seth and Zach's argument. Thank it you, Joe feels like the writers worked so hard on the lines and everything in the other scenes they just wrote zach and seth squabble and like let the actors do it because at this point they are fighting over water one seth reed he does his reading uh he reads the whole book and and reed is like i thought you're gonna read like a couple panels don't do even that that's absurd you get up you have like a presentation maybe a powerpoint with cool like reading rainbow slide shit and then you just do a signing plus for uh, as far as we know like she said come to a comic book read that's just what she calls herself. I'm comic book read. Come to the thing that I did. Come don't re- don't read your panel by panel comic book. And the the water. Seth and Zach arguing over the water. Classic uh, toddler boy behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, their arguments in the back were like, and you always have to have like when the two boys scuffle, one of the girls gets like elbowed or something. Right. You know, like they, you have to put them in danger That's that way. Serious. But then the way that we end up, which it's them wrapped in a curtain. Like crashing over uh, spinner racks, right. like that's that's. Uh, are we watching Benny Hill? Yeah, yeah, just the fucking sped up music because there's the echelons. There's the first fight about water, and then Reed is like, nope, and brings out Little Miss Vixen. And Zach and Seth didn't know that was going to happen, and it stops everybody. 
Yeah, we she, have. Not only is it a teenager girl who is this comic book character, they gave her a whip. So there's a lot of things going on. The camera pans around. Like the audience is mostly, I would say, like 20 seats in the audience, and then mostly 15 year old comic book readers who all move to cover their boners as fast right. as possible. And some are just winked at the boners. She didn't make eye contact with them. Uh, but I mean, like, be in Summer's position where, like, she was like, this is empowering and I'm going to be able to take over. Like, I'm going to take lead chair in this threesome, mm-hmm. you know, in this relationship. For sure. And then still in lingerie and in committing to the comic book and saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to own up to being Little Miss Vixen. Still could not put a, like, a damper on this uh, duel. Well, because Seth, Seth is an idiot and pulls her out of the photo line. And gets on like on one knee to ask for another shot, and then Zach comes in. And they they are literally slapping and saying things like "Don't bite me, I won't bite you if you stop pinching me." Like they are how me and my brothers fought when we thought we were tough as twelve year olds. Uh, and she whips them to stop fighting, and they were like, "You have to choose again." Fully Looney Tunes, Benny Hilling, and she very wisely, the best decision she's made in a year, says, "I choose Summer." She and goes full Jenny. It. She goes full Jenny Garth. Full uh, Kelly when um, Brendan and Dylan mm-hmm. on 90210 said, you have to choose, Kelly. And she said, I choose me. Any good rule is if somebody, no matter what the situation is, is giving you an ultimatum, you choose the other person. So if both people are giving the ultimatum, choose you. Stella, go get your groove back. Eat, pray, love, fuck James Franco through India. The problem is, what if both people are saying you have to make an ultimatum right now or else? Then what do you do? You just start drawing an issue of Marvel's ultimatum. <laughs> that's the Nobody's one. Nobody's happy. That was the superpowered tomato. That was the U- superpowered tomato. Ultimato. <laughs> Old tomato. Don't you cry for me. So that is the end of the goofiest uh, storyline in this episode. Let's take a quick break and then jump back and see what Julian Cal have been up to. Ryan. Mike. What? Are- we got so much stuff to like. You, you earlier, you were like, "Well, Sandy was so in love with Rebecca, you got in a car crash." I wonder if that's going to happen. It Can we might, get to that real quick? There, we out of respect for these characters and these creators uh, and these storylines, I, I have to call it. Uh, Come we, on, we, dude! We have to give credence to Ryan and Clearwater Revival to the Clearwater Revival to uh, don't fear that Reaper, embrace it. Maybe there will be a car fake-out. We have to talk about Cal and Julie and Sandy and Kirsten and Ryan, Marissa, and Trey uh, next week. We just do not have time to talk about all of them. Uh, and, we talked about Robin of Loxley too much this week. I'm sorry. Uh, I would say not enough. Um, and also, by the way, that we every after every episode, we give awards. We have done mm-hmm. none of those awards. No, no awards. What does it make you feel like as a host of a podcast, a current host? I don't know how long... Your contract goes for I think for. the once and future host. So I'm going to bow out for a while and then come back because some <laughs> watery tart throws a sword at me. And happy. Big watered comic tart. Uh, what? How does it make you feel that like you can't talk about one episode of the OC in less than three times the amount of minutes of that episode? Uh, I think my brain is very big. That's why <laughs> I have to wear this fedora. I know all the right things and nobody else does. Do you think that your brain, the size of your brain, makes you more of a tart than the size of your boobs? Yes. They're, I think they're inverse proportions, which is a phrase I definitely know what that means. Don't ask me. I shan't tell you the answer. What is I your will favorite say, moment? What will you say? 
that uh, I was just going to say that uh, when we get to the video version of this podcast, people are going to see because you don't podcast with a shirt on that your nipples are the in the same shape as your brain. What yeah. were you going to say? What was your favorite part of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Oh my God! Well, we talked about the uh, arrowheads on fire. Yeah. Um. I I I love somebody who's like, you know what? There's a catapult. Why don't you put me in it? And then cuts the rope himself and flies. Um. I loved how, uh, just like Maid Marian, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Um, That's a lot of names. Was uh twice the man, if not three times the man that he ever was. I also I I really miss, of course, Alan Rickman. Um, Alan Rickman. Uh, yeah, but he's really almost miss- off the table because, of course, all of his lines are the best. Uh, I really miss that witch. You ever oh, like? She's d- so like. I think most people forget about her because she's only for kind sure. of in there. But she is horrifying. And because I watched them both so young, half the time I'm like, it's crazy that Tracy Ullman just played that so straight. And no, that was Men in Tights. <laughs> um, do you ever like? Uh, if you cut yourself and then you bleed and like it, it's into a bowl. Mm-hmm. Or you're just like, oh shit. And then you throw like a domino and two bird feathers in there and like yeah, mix it I around just so you can see the future. A chicken and throw it in there. <laughs> Make somebody eat it. Who is like, how sexy was the fox version of the witch in Disney's Robin Hood? Because I don't remember that shit at all. Oh, I think they had to cut it. Too sexy for kids. Too sexy or for you, television. Do you remember Morgan Freeman? And yeah. uh, Morgan Freeman, who. Uh, Morgana blind- Freeman? <laughs> Do you remember the blind guy coming up to him and saying, like, oh, I'm glad you're here because I hate fucking black people. And Morgan Freeman has to be like, you know, I'm I'm black. Listen to my voice about penguins. You know. All right. I'm black. I thought we were in the middle of a conversation about hating black people, but if you want to talk <laughs> about penguins. a polite way of moving on. He just narrates March of the Penguins for this blind guy who thinks they're mystical beings because he's medieval and dumb. All right, so you d- you wanted to end the talking about the OC, not the <laughs> podcast itself. Oh, we That's- got another hour of Robin and Loxley talk. Uh, I would love to watch that. When are we going to do 1992 Movie of the Year? Speaking of hey, that, Mike, Ryan. We're on a show called Movie of the Year. We could do 1992, although there is no point because it's obviously Robin Hood, colon, Prince of Thieves. We're also on a couple of other shows. Uh, Mike and I are on a show called The Superhero Show Show. Uh, that is hosted by Cassie, who is on Unnatural 20s. All of those shows, please subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, rate and review them. If you give them five stars, that is so, so helpful. We appreciate it. Also, go to, I'm sorry, Mike, ratemypodcast.com slash superhero. Slash superhero. And that would be another way to help us out. Thank you so much for asking that question, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, if for some reason you don't want to use a podcast app or Spotify to do that, find everything we do at yourpopfilter.com. Uh, everything we currently do and if you want articles about Mike and Molly 10 years ago where they were 10 years ago that's blown up the numbers uh, throw a little slash Amazon there buy your TB buy your eggs I've heard that they will now come in May they no longer say sold out forever they will hit you in May if you go there right now yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon uh, if you don't need toilet paper or need to get yourself through the emotional bout of not having toilet paper uh, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter pick a tier help us out for a minimal amount of money and we'll give you extra content, and we're all stuck at home. You know you need to listen to something. You can't just talk to your kids and your husband all day. If you want to hear a different story about Mike and Molly uh, that is not on the website, uh, text me and ask me about that time that Mike and I were in Vegas and running for governor and the amount of Molly that this, this gentleman took almost got us elected, I would say. I thought I just needed to play Vegas way, and that's what they wanted again, 2011. Crazy times. We're on uh, so many other places on the internet. Uh, we are on Twitter. 
Follow us there at Your Pop Filter. Mm-hmm. We are on Instagram at Your Pop Filter. Instagram is mini pictures of our Twitter feed. So if you want to see that, but you're not on Twitter, go to that. Um, and then also, please, 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 please email us if you think that it's ridiculous that the episode of the OC called The Showdown took us three podcast episodes to do and not four. Email us at uh, contact at yourpopfilter.com and let us know how we're doing if it's nice. If it's not nice, uh, email us at contact at 1-800-EAT-SHIT. And we will answer that number. That is a direct line. Uh, that is the show. We will maybe finish next week unless we get enough phone calls and emails uh, to say, no, please take longer on the showdown. Uh, until then, and I say from the bottom of my heart, stay healthy, stay safe, and go bananas, go bananas, go bananas. California. Go bananas.